You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 49, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Rachel and Kyle Wright, relationship coaches and fellow podcasters. Rachel and Kyle have a series of programs and coaching packages for couples through the Wright Wellness Center. You can find out more about what they do by visiting WrightWellnessCenter.com. That's W-R-I-G-H-T WellnessCenter.com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Rachel and Kyle Wright to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the upcoming interview with Rachel and Kyle Wright, you'll hear them give some great tips for how to balance your use of social media so that you can get all of the enjoyment and benefits you want out of it, but without letting it take over your life. I'd like to give one additional tip for using social media in a more moderated, balanced, mindful way. And that is, if you're at a party or gathering with friends or family where you and other people want to share the joy that you're experiencing with other people who aren't there, or just record it for the future for the people who are there, taking photos or videos, my suggestion is have a designated documenter. It's like a designated driver. Pick one person at that gathering who's going to be designated with taking photos and videos and maybe commenting on social media, whatever you want to do, and that person will be the only one for the night who will document the event. You could even rotate it around for the first half hour, one person, for the next half hour, another person. However you structure it, the point is to try to help everyone there be present in the experience with each other instead of having happen what so often happens, everyone being there, but everyone has their phones out, taking pictures, taking videos, and you end up with a feeling that no one's really there with each other present in the moment. So that's my suggestion. Try it out. You know, I think of this as something that helps you, again, to get the benefits of social media without going cold turkey or just totally giving up on it, but while enabling you to be present and connected in person with your friends and family and loved ones. Hope you find that helpful, and I hope you enjoy the upcoming interview with relationship experts Rachel and Kyle Wright. Hi, Rachel and Kyle, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We're happy to be here. I'm really glad to have you, both because you you work professionally as relationship experts, helping people with their relationships, both on and offline, and also because, you know, very interestingly, you have exposed and shared your own relationship with each other online as a way to help other people. I think that's really uh, brave of you. You know, maybe we can just get started by talking a little bit about from your personal and professional experience, what what are some of the key issues or maybe challenges that people face in their relationships in relation to social media and the online world? What kind of new challenges does this does this pose for people now? Oh, man, do we have 85 hours? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> like, all right, well, let's just open the book and start writing this down. I- I'd yeah. say the easy one, the easy one that jumps to mind right away is comparisonitis, this Instagram issue that I think people have where Instagram shows you highlights, right? I mean, you take the perfect picture of the perfect date in the perfect place, and it looks amazing. And our brains want to believe that that's the people's lives we're seeing. We think that that's the norm. 
when it's one snapshot of one moment and you have no idea what's going on besides that, but people take that to heart and they start looking at their own relationship saying, why aren't we like them, even though they have real no idea what, what them is doing. Mm-hmm. Totally. And additionally, the comparison of, well, this person posts this much about their relationship and I don't post anything. Does that mean that they're happier or does that mean Mm -hmm. that they're less happy? You know, there's this assumption, a study came out a little while ago saying that couples who post more on social media are less happy in their relationships. Mm. And of course, that's not the case for everybody. You know, in, in our case, for example, we, we post a lot about our relationship, but that's because that's what we do. That's, literally our, our bread and butter, <laughs> right? right? Yes, and yes. so for us, that has no correlation. But there's all these assumptions that we make based on people's frequency of posting, what types of photos they're posting. You know, oh, well, well, they post professional photos. Is is that better or worse than me who's mm. posting the the selfies and, and these tired photos in the morning? And not only comparing the highlight reels, but then comparing the oh, well, they're being more vulnerable. Should I be more vulnerable? Mm-hmm. And it's just a nightmare. It's, it's so hard <laughs> to, to stay in our, own, in our own experiences and not look at other people and compare. Yeah, I can see how we could, we could talk about this for a long time. I mean, it strikes me there's a, at least two different things you're talking about. One is just the volume of, of information that people are getting about other people that we didn't get before. Mm-hmm. You know, you might meet friends and see them, but when you weren't with them, you weren't getting a constant stream of photos right. and videos and updates right. with them before. And two is the, I don't know, maybe this is my, my science or mathematics way of describing, you're getting a non-representative sample Yes. Of that information. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, totally. And the the barrage of information, our brains, you know, technology is moving faster than our brains are evolving. And so yeah. it's really difficult to keep up with because we're not we're not there yet, evolutionarily speaking. And yet all of the technology is. Yeah, I'm going to ask you next what suggestions you have, but I, it, what just came to mind was a joke that I had shared with a friend of mine. Uh, this is almost 30 years ago. We were at MIT, students then, and this was before social media, but the MTV show, The Real World, yes. was on. <laughs> yes. You know, I think of that as a precursor to social media. It was supposed yeah. to be, quote, real, but of course, they took an hour of footage from a week long time mm-hmm. with people put in a house together. Of course, the people were selected to be very like outgoing personalities who would clash with each other to create lots of conflict and drama. So yeah. in no way was it, it was constant excitement and stimulus. And we were, the joke between us was, hey, let's do MIT real world and make it real. It would be an hour of us sitting at our desks with our head in our hands, <laughs> staring at a physics problem and getting nowhere. And that would be the hour. <laughs> <laughs> So seriously, though, seriously, you know, we we joke all the time about how and this is actually why we started our Bachelor commentary podcast is because people look at reality TV, whether it's, you know, real world, which I heard came back a couple years ago. I know. I know. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Or Survivor or Real Housewives, you know, quote unquote, Real Housewives, right? Like whatever the, the reality TV is. And they project their relationship or their life onto it. Mm. And it's so interesting how our brains do that. 
So what, what do you suggest to people, given how our brains are evolved to be drawn, you know, towards other people and what they're doing in their lives? We're social creatures. And given this, this deluge of information and the fact that it doesn't really represent reality accurately, what do you suggest to people that they try to do to break out of that? Well, it's uh, it's funny because, like you said, we're we're social creatures. We want to see what other people are doing. You know, we want to observe other people. But the thing is, is that, like Rachel was saying earlier, we haven't evolved to the point of being able to control the the scroll of looking mm. at Facebook and Instagram. And the thing that the ugly truth is that these apps are designed to keep your brain going. So. The issue, the, the thing that I would suggest, the thing that we both suggest, and it's funny, I've done this for the first time ever this week, is <laughs> delete your apps for a day. Mm. It's the mm-hmm. weirdest, most confusing freedom <laughs> that I've ever experienced because I would grab my phone and then I'd be like, oh, why am I doing this? Yeah. I don't need mm. this right now. And we're conditioned by the technology to want to go back. It's addictive. Like, it's so comfortable for our brains to see and to do and to use, but we're also smart enough to stop ourselves. To say, yeah. just to remove the option there. And that's the, it's the weirdest amount of freedom too, because it literally feels kind of like a weight's been lifted. And it was, it was almost scary for me as mindful as I try to be in my life to feel that for the first time I was like, Oh, I don't need Instagram for like 10 hours. And it feels really good. Mm. That's great. Another tip that I, I, give often is, you know, with stories and things like that, with Instagram stories, we want to keep people apprised to this kind of in the moment type feeling. And it is totally okay to take the app off your phone, record a couple videos or take some photos that you know, you're going to want to share, but don't do it in the moment. Stay Mm -hmm. in the moment. Stay who you're with. You know, if you're with your mom at the botanical garden, be with your mom at the botanical garden, take a picture, video, and then when you get back to your hotel room or you're, you know, you're at dinner and you go use the restroom, take five minutes and post the photos and videos that you took. So you can still share that with your friends and your family and your audience if you're an entrepreneur, but you don't have to take yourself out of the moment that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you're super right on that. And the funny thing is we did a, a great version of that. We went to, uh, it's called a getaway house. They're these little cabins uh, up in the Catskills here in New York, where it's you know designed to be a, a peaceful, technology-free situation. There's no mirrors inside of the uh, mm. cabin. There's bad cell service, but they have little so- cell phone lock boxes. So what we did <laughs> when we got there, because we had the intention to completely disconnect and just to be kind of in this quiet, still, peaceful place, we took like seven or eight coupley pictures. We're like, we're in this romantic place. <laughs> took the pictures, <laughs> turned our phones off, put them away yeah. for two days. Yeah. The day we got home, turned our phones back on, posted those pictures like we had been there the whole time sharing all of our stuff. But we were able to separate the the use of technology from what we were actually doing. That's great. That's great. I mean, yeah, it sounds like then that allows you to actually be present with each other while you're there, right? Instead of your mind and your attention being off somewhere else to where you're posting it while you're actually physically with each other. Exactly. exactly. Because we can put our phones in airplane mode. Right. Use it as a camera because the the reality is, is that you don't even need a camera anymore. It's in the phone. You know, mm-hmm. the the camera in our phones is a lot it's of times amazing. better than the cameras we would buy separately. Most of us. Right. That are yeah. not photographers. So putting your phone in airplane mode 
whenever I go to Disneyland or, you know, a place like that where I, I know I'm going to want to document things, but I don't necessarily want to be pulled in a million directions, I'll put my phone in airplane mode and use it strictly as a camera. And then at the end of the day, kind of upload the photos as I would if it was a digital camera with a memory card onto Facebook or, or onto Instagram or whatever it is. And, and that way you can still share. But like you said, you're, you're not being pulled from the moment. Yeah, I mean, one thing I really like about this is I, I, when I speak to people and through the podcast and the blog, I often get reactions from people that feel like they don't want to give up everything, you know, and your suggestion yeah. is not, not to give it all up. We're not talking about throwing the phone away, but <laughs> shifting the time, right, or the place in which you use it so that it's not constant and everywhere. Well, that's the, the power of us being so smart that we can understand that the technology, it wants us. Instagram wants us to be on there. Facebook wants us to interact. They they, they beg for us. Snapchat has that thing where it's like the streaks you do. It's like literally mm-hmm. built to be addictive. <laughs> but we're also smart enough to play outside of the game and use it for our intention. But it does take a very you know mindful uh, mm-hmm. approach to it. You really got to be on top of yourself or else it's so easy to slip back into it. And I'll catch myself. I did it this morning, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I'm like, oh no, I can make breakfast. I got to get the podcast stuff set up. Well, and Robert, something you said too really struck a chord with me just now is that when we go into these all or nothing states, when we go into, you know, I'm just going to get rid of the phone or I'm going to be on it all the time. We we see things as black and white. And when mm-hmm. we do that with anything in life, whether it is our technology use or food or the way that we communicate, whatever it is, we rebound and rebel back mm-hmm. so hard. Mm-hmm. So if we can find that middle <clears throat> ground, which, you know, for me has been airplane mode and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That actually helps us be more consistent rather than saying, I am not checking social media ever at all for a whole week. No, if you want to check it every day, check it every day. Just give yourself that container. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're talking about after you you abstain, you often binge. You know, that's a natural yes, right. hu- human tendency to do. And yeah, I think that when uh, when it comes to things like a digital detox, which people people recommend, I, I wouldn't say don't do it. I I'll often caution people though about that exact same risk that you need to be mindful of the tendency one to be counting the clock, you know, until that <laughs> detox is over, so that you can just dive back Ten in. More minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And really all or nothing is we fall into that trap a lot as people, as human beings. And it's a scary trap to be in because we do it without realizing it. And so it's it's helpful to think, what is the middle ground here? How can I, you know, how can I have my cake and eat it too? That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. And let, let's talk about that as applied to, to something else. We've been talking mo- a little bit about posting experiences, photos, you know, when you're at an event or with family. C- c- let's talk a little bit more generally about sharing. You know, it's been a, a huge part of the culture online sharing. It's been how social media has been promoted as a way to connect and share with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you've talked about some of the downside of being overly focused on how other people are portraying themselves, you know, when you go online. You talk a little bit about maybe some of the risks and how to balance what you post and share about yourself. You know, and, and is there a downside to sharing too much or how do you approach this for yourselves? I think there can be. I think that we can condition ourselves to to want the response. I think that 
there's a comedian and uh, filmmaker and artist named Bo Burnham who has a really good point about how our culture, especially the current generation of like 20 to mid 30s, we were trained to be performative. You know, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit earlier about the you know real world. We started watching these reality shows and people that for all you know for all purposes looked like us and did our things, and we can kind of look into their lives in these reality shows. We all started wanting to to have that performative culture. That's why reality TV, I think, is taken off so heavily. Mm-hmm. But that's an easy trap to fall into because then you start getting reliant on the result and the response. And people start, I think, going to larger and heavier extremes to get bigger and better responses. I agree. I, I think that when it comes to posting, that there's no hard and fast rule of, you know, don't share too much or only share this much. I think it comes down to what your intention is. Mm. I share more on social media than most people that I know that are not other entrepreneurs or not in my line of work. And when I first started doing this, I mean, oh gosh, I can tell you so many stories about different family members (laughs) calling me and saying, are you sure you want to tell all of these people (laughs) this thing that you just posted? And really, I think it comes down to your intention. Like, Like Kyle was saying, are you doing it to get an applause? Or are you doing it to share? Mm. You know, something that I think about before I post anything is why am I posting this? Mm. Is it to get validation? Because if it's for that, that's not great, mm-hmm. right? Like we we all want validation, of course. And there are certain times where that is okay, as long as we're aware of it. But it, it's a difference to say, well, I'm sharing this because I learned a lesson And I want to share that lesson with people so that other people can learn it too. Versus I'm sharing this to hear 250 times, you're so pretty, (laughs) so that my self-esteem can go up, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's a really big difference there. Or to get sympathy, right? Like what is the purpose of what you're posting? And really tuning into yourself and asking yourself that, become curious with yourself. Not to judge. It's not to say, oh, God, I'm so lame. I want that reinforcement. No, of course, we all want that reinforcement. All of us do. But to really just be aware of your why before you just start barraging everybody with photos. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure people are already familiar with it, but what have you seen maybe in your practice or in your own life that the harm that can come from not being mindful in that way? Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is someone posting on social media about something they're frustrated or unsatisfied about within their own relationship. Yeah. Which is, it's shocking to me to see. It's also, it's like internally, in my, from my own personal perspective, one of the most offensive things to do because the sanctity of your relationship, the, the honesty and trust that comes with a healthy relationship, I mean, that's, that's throwing a drink right in the face of your relationship. If you post on social media something negative about your relationship without like if you and your partner are talking about it, you know, right. Rachel and I, we we shared one of our fight recaps and kind of coming back together after an argument that we had. Yeah, we were still fighting. We were still fighting. It was like the it was like the wind down of the fight. Uh and then also, you know, how we we would guide ourselves back to to being together if and that was really intentionally done, but and we did it together. But if you do that without your partner's understanding or permission or consent, consent mm. it's so hurtful and so damaging that 
it, it like it triggers. I can't even stand seeing it. It's so uncomfortable to see. Kyle starts yeah. seeing stars when he talks. About <laughs> right. Well, tell tell us. You just mentioned having you know posting one of your own arguments and how you reconcile. It sounds like on a, just. Can you tell us in some more detail about that story? It sounds very unusual, and I'm really intrigued. <laughs> Absolutely, and and it is unusual. I wish that it wasn't. If we're mm. being fully honest, I really I really wish that it wasn't. So Kyle and I. We try to lead by example and not just in, look at all the awesome stuff we're doing. You can do awesome stuff too. Yay. Yeah. The do as I say, not as I do thing. Like I don't, that doesn't work for us. Yeah. No. Um, It didn't work for me when I was three, nor does it work for me now. (laughs) Uh, So we were having an argument. I honestly could not tell you what it was about right now, unless I went and rewatched the video. Um, And we were basically past the point of kind of this the screaming anger piece. Mm-hmm. We were still a bit frustrated with each other. And I looked at Kyle and and I think I remember saying something along the lines of, we need to share this with our people. They they need to know that we fight too. And he's <laughs> like, Yeah. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) So you had something to agree about at least. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so we very, it it was honestly the most vulnerable and most terrifying thing I think I've ever done publicly. If you watch the video, Kyle's eyes, like his pupils are dilated. Oh, I look, I look terrible. I mean, you can (laughs) tell that we have been fighting and throughout the video, we walk through, we use this five-step research-based process with our clients and we use it with ourselves to process a fight and, and end a fight and transition from kind of the, the doing of the fight to the aftermath of the fight. And we walked through that process live on Facebook. Wow. Yeah. yeah it was in our, uh, our Facebook community for our business that at the time, uh, we changed that up a little bit, but at the time it had about a thousand people in it. And it was it was. Definitely the most intimidating and vulnerable thing that I've done as well to echo what Rachel said, but also the response was amazing. And it was funny too, because we were in the midst of everything. Like Rachel said, we were both like, we need to share this at each other, even though we're still upset. We need to put this on the internet because (laughs) not, not much before that video had happened. We had someone who's a really great colleague and friend of ours, honestly look at us and say, well, you guys must never fight and you have to have sex like three times a day. (laughs) and so we had to stop like asked her like is this your is this really your perception like you're not messing with us right and she really thought that because of the instagram effect you see these perfect life you see how coupley and comfortable rachel and i are all the time and how vulnerable and honest we are all the time but that's just the highlight reel and so we realized how important it was to break down that wall and show that we use these tools, not just to be super happy and fun and relationship and romantic all the time, mm-hmm. but even to get through the hard stuff and the really challenging, vulnerable things. Because I, I we both agree people need to see that part of us to, I, to really trust, I think, what we do. Well, and to normalize the fact that even people who are experts in this, you know, I have a master's degree in clinical psychology and couples therapy, mm-hmm. and I still fight with my partner. <laughs> I, I've flipped Kyle off in a parking lot before. I've run, you know, I've done all of the things that we feel shame about when we do. Yeah. And we wanted to normalize that for people. And again, like do as I say, not as I do. We didn't just want to say that it's normal. We wanted to show that it's normal. Yeah. 
Well, that, it's really interesting. So obviously it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that no. you had decided in advance. Hey, the next time we fight, you know, let's post this. So you, you came up with it in the moment. It sounds like you still, in retrospect, not just feel okay about it, but, you know, feel good about the fact that you did this and think it was valuable for you and for for other people. I mean, well, I'm curious to know what kind of feedback you got. You said the feedback was very positive. What did people say? Robert, it was unbelievable. For yeah. for months after this went up, for months, we had people coming up to us at different live events. Oh, I saw I saw the video of you two fighting. Thank you so much. I used those tools with my partner or I watched it and then I asked my husband to come watch it with me. Yeah, we've had people come to us and say they heard about it, that they haven't had seen it because, you know, the we rearranged our Facebook group. The video still exists. You know, if you people want to see it, we can still send them that direction. But yeah, it's a we have people link. come up to us and say, wait, you're the couple that did the fight thing. You shared mm. a fight on Facebook. We're like, yeah, how'd you hear about that? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and it was really, I think, a transcendent moment for us yeah. in A, our relationship and B, in our business, because it showed our people that we walk the walk. Yeah. And to, to hear that, you know, a moment of, I was uncomfortable for how long was the video? Like 20 minutes, 20 something, 25 minutes, maybe. So to be uncomfortable for 20, 25 minutes, we were able to help hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of people. To me, that is so worth that amount of discomfort. I mean, I'd be uncomfortable for a few hours to help that many people, let alone 20 to 25 minutes. You know, one thing that strikes me about it, you, you've you really focused on the fact that your intention behind it was to share your vulnerability and to do something you thought could help other people in their own lives. It strikes me, I'm picturing myself watching it, and I can definitely imagine, you know, learning something from it and getting a benefit. And what strikes me as different than, you know, 99% of the time when you see a fight or some other conflict online, why is it there and why do people see it? It's usually titillation is what I, you know, that's the word mm -hmm. I would use, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's just to excite people or stir them up, not yeah. necessarily to, t I mean, I think, again, I'll go back pre-internet, Jerry Springer and Mari Povich, right. you know, <laughs> right, would bring people on just to expose their conflicts so people right. would be titillated by that, but not really to learn anything from it. Right. Right. Yeah, I have to imagine that your intention behind it influenced the fact that that's what it enabled other people to get out of it. Oh, absolutely. And and had that not been the intention, I would have never put it up publicly. I mean, you know, there's there's no reason to show if we had had video footage of me flipping Kyle off in the parking lot <laughs> right. during our road trip in Utah. There's no reason to show that. We were not, you know, I, I will tell the story so that I can use it as a learning tool moving forward. There's no reason to see the footage of that. You just see me being a, an idiot. Mm. You know, <laughs> like go, we can go watch the real world for that. Right. Um, but this, this was a very specific, yeah. you know, let's walk through these steps together. And we were also able to share our own vulnerabilities. You know, we talked about why we were fighting and, and that went into some deeper stuff with us as humans and, and our own insecurities. And to let people know that working on your relationship it's not something that you have to wait until something is mm. wrong to do. Mm -hmm. That we work on our relationship every day. And the work is is fun most of the time, but it is work. And and that's okay. Yeah, I think that one of our I mean, our real intention around stuff like that and sharing the the vulnerabilities of our relationship, 
using social media is, you know, we don't want people thinking of us in like this ivory tower of perfectionism. Yeah. We don't want to be like the, the actual therapist sitting across the table from you or across the room in the couch showing zero emotion, no reaction, and just kind of having you feel your thing. We, we're human beings. We mm -hmm. use these tools and we talk about it all the time, but we need to show it because you can talk about how you do something, but unless you demonstrate it for people, I think there's a disconnect in the learning about that. Yeah, you know, it reminds me, there are certain uh, mindfulness teachers who, who I've either been guided by or seen uh, Dharma talks from, and, and I've really appreciated, you know, when there's someone who's a really big name, you know, people revere, I've been doing it for mm -hmm. 40 years, and part of what they share is how they were mindless last week in some way. Yes. <laughs> yes. And... Yes how they noticed it and what they did to try to apply their training to it. You know, so it wasn't just, hey, I failed. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> 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 but, but it also wasn't what you said. Look at me up on high. Uh, I'm here to just mm -hmm. tell you how to achieve a state of perfection that you don't have and that I have it is exactly the same as what you said. And I always appreciate that when I see that in someone. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny you say that, too, because what immediately popped to mind is that I think some of the best work around breaking down those barriers and sort of removing the the stigma around relationship issues or mental being able health. to share, yeah, mental health, all of that. It's uh, it's Dax Shepard with his new podcast, Armchair Expert. He talks so much about his you know addiction recovery, the relationship with him and Kristen mm -hmm. Bell. They're on the latest mm -hmm. cover, People Magazine, talking about their relationship. That's amazing to me. I'm so like it's weird to be proud of someone you don't yeah, know, like a celebrity, yeah. but celebrity culture, celebrity relationships. That's like. Like that's the crack cocaine of like reality <laughs> TV for people. They want to, we want to like see really celebrities and feel what they feel and kind of put ourselves in their shoes. And on his podcast, man, he breaks those barriers down. He's yeah. like, I was a piece of shit a while ago. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I've struggled with these things. And I, I think it's, I'm so impressed by what they do. And I think it's so healthy for, uh, for anyone who listens to it. Well, what you're both describing is humanizing people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like we we look up to people and that's wonderful. It's great to have mentors or people that we look up to in different areas. They're still humans. They still mm -hmm. poop. They yeah. still go, right? Like right. we everybody poops. We read the book in in kindergarten. Right. It's it's I'm one sure, of those things that we have to remember. I'm sure Gordon Ramsay burns some food every right. now and then, <laughs> right. you know. I don't know if he'll tell us about it, but I'm sure he does. <laughs> No, this is this is really, really great. I, I wonder if you can tell people, you've talked a bit about your professional work and the stuff you do online with people in many ways. You tell uh, people a little bit more about what you do, how they can find you, how they can interact with you, you know, how they can learn from you. Yeah, absolutely. So what we do at Right Wellness Center, that's the name of the company that Rachel and I founded uh, a couple of years ago. What we do is we take scientifically proven research. We teach it in an easy to learn, understandable format to help people have happier, healthier relationships. Yeah, we we say that we like to help people scream less and screw more. Um, <laughs> I still I love that. So my my background is in clinical psychology and sex therapy, and Kyle is my is my filter. He's my translator to take words like correlation that mm -hmm. I think everybody knows. And <laughs> he'll look at me and say, babe, no one knows what that means. And I say, oh, okay, cool. Let's, how, how would you say this? And so we really help people heal from the past. And that's where my, my therapy experience comes in and gain tools in the present and to have a better future so that we can finally change this teetering 50% divorce rate in relationships mm -hmm. that is not changed in 40 years. And yet we have this research out there 
that tells us exactly what makes relationships succeed and fail and what makes people happy and not happy. But you have to get a master's degree to access mm-hmm. it, which is pretty asinine. But we're, we're trying to break down that wall and, and bring that to people. So I help women with things like libido and sexuality and, and things that we don't talk about enough. And we also work with couples. Oh, that's great. And where can uh, where can people go to find you? Either on your website. I'm sure you are on social media because we're talking about not abstaining from it. <laughs> yes, we are. So our website is rightwellnesscenter.com, W-R-I-G-H-T, wellnesscenter.com. And then our Instagram handle is the same thing, Right Wellness Center. We are open books, if you, if you couldn't tell by now. Um, <laughs> so any any questions that you have, reach out. Like, please don't ever hesitate to to DM or PM or whatever new acronym comes out for messaging <laughs> and email, you know, good old fashioned letter is fine. But just ask. Like, I, I think that that's the hardest part is to sit back and say, hey, my relationship's okay. I know it can be better. Yeah. Or my relationship sucks right now and we need help. No matter where you are in your life, mental health, relationship, sex life, whatever, we can always elevate. We can always get up to the next level. And I think that that's a cultural issue that I think people are struggling with is that the idea of working on your relationship is stigmatized to be a negative thing, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because all you can do is bring in more. The efforts that you can do to work on your relationship, it's going to add. You're only going to add, which is great. And you're going to get more understanding. And, you know, our TV, movies, books, music have done a huge disservice to doing relationship work because so much positivity, everything you want can be had in a relationship. You just got to be able to talk to your partner about it and ask for help. That's really great note to end on. I encourage people to reach out to you, get in touch and, and check out all of your work. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Rachel and Kyle. And thanks so much for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Thank you for having us, Robert. Yeah, Seriously, so a fun. pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guests, Rachel and Kyle Wright, who are relationship coaches and fellow podcasters. You can find out more about what they do by visiting rightwellnesscenter.com. That's W-R-I-G-H-T wellnesscenter.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. You'll also be able to find out about our Tap Into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone at tapintomindfulness.com. I'm Robert Plotkin, and join me next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with brand strategist Rebecca Haran, who will be talking about setting healthy screen time as a work-at-home parent.